0: So a big thank you to Paolo for last week as well. Um, if you were part of our service last week, you remember that uh, we started our mini-series on Ruth and uh, Paolo last week was challenging us that true love can be costly. It can have an impact on our time. It can have an impact on our finances, our emotions. And in the case of Ruth, we found out it had an impact on her entire future. And part of the reason for this series on love is one of our verses of the year, John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And we began to make the point that Christian love, love within the church particularly, should be distinctive, it should stand out. As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living within us. And if we are open to his promptings, that same love that Jesus demonstrated will be evident in our lives. I wonder, do people looking at us see that distinctiveness that spirit-filled love. So our challenge as individuals within the church is to let others see how we demonstrate that love, how we interact with each other, how we care for those around us. By this, the verse says, all men will know you are my disciples. And each week we're setting a challenge not something you have to do, but an opportunity to follow up on the teaching with some practical, something practical. Something that will move towards showing the kind of love that Jesus was talking about. And last week's challenge was to make contact with somebody new. Somebody that you wouldn't normally call or make contact with. To find out if there are any needs there. I wonder if there have been people that have been blessed this week with an unexpected call, a sign of of caring and love. But let's not just leave it as a thing for the past week. Let's continue to bless and to love others by making contact on a regular basis, particularly in this time of partial lockdown. So where were we with the story of Ruth? We found out that the story took place at the time of the judges' In Israel and Judah. Everyone did as they saw fit we found at the end of the book of Judges. Not necessarily following God's path or doing the right things. And there had been some tragedy in our story. There had been a famine in Judah and a family including Naomi, her husband and sons, had gone to a foreign country, Moab, to find food. In the course of time, Naomi's two sons married two Moabite girls, Orpah and Ruth. But tragedy struck as both Naomi's husband and two sons died, leaving Naomi and two daughters-in-law. When Naomi decided to go back to her home country after the famine had eased, she tried to persuade her daughters-in-law to stay in Moab. There they would have the chance to rebuild their lives to remarry, which would have been very difficult if they traveled back to Judah. Orpah was persuaded to stay in Moab, but Ruth insisted on traveling to Bethlehem with Naomi. Don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Costly love we found, demonstrated through the relationship that they had built together. So now we're going to pick up on the next part of the story with our reading from Luke chapter 2. And I've got Amy and I've got Andy to help with this. Um, there's quite a lot of dialogue in the story. Andy's going to play the part of Boaz, uh, and Amy is going to be Ruth and Naomi and uh, I will narrate as the story goes through. So here we are with Ruth, chapter two. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi,
1: Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favour.
0: Naomi said to her,
1: Go ahead, my daughter.
0: So she went out entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters.
2: The Lord be with you.
0: The Lord bless you, they answered. Boaz asked the overseers of his harvesters.
2: Who does that young woman belong to?
0: The overseer replied, she is the Moabite, who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, "'Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves "'behind the harvesters.' She came into the field and was, has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz said to Ruth,
2: "'My daughter, listen to me. "'Don't go and glean in another field, "'and don't go away from here. "'Stay here with the women who work for me. "'Watch the field where the men are harvesting.' And follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled.
1: At this
0: she bowed down with her face to the ground. She asked him,
1: Why have I found such favour in your eyes that you notice me, a foreigner?
0: Boaz replied,
2: I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with a people you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge.
1: May I continue to find favour in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant though I do not have the standing of one of your servants.
2: At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine vinegar.
0: When she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain. She ate all she wanted and had some left over. As she got up to clean, Boaz gave orders to his men. Let her gather among the sheaves and don't reprimand her. "'Even pull out some stalks for her from the bundles "'and leave them for her to pick up and don't rebuke her.' "'So Ruth gleaned in the field until evening. "'Then she thre- threshed the barley she had gathered "'and it amounted to about an ephah. "'She carried it back to town "'and her mother-in-law saw how much she had gathered. "'Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over "'after she'd eaten enough. "'Her mother-in-law asked her,
1: "'Where did you glean today? Where did you work?' Blessed be the man who took notice of you.
0: Then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one at whose place she had been working.
1: The name of the man I worked with today is Boaz, she said. The Lord bless him. He has not stopped showing kindness to the living and the dead. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers.
0: Then Ruth the Moabite said,
1: He even said to me, Stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all my grain.
0: Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law,
1: It will be good for you, my daughter, to go with the women who work for him, because in someone else's field you might be harmed.
0: So Ruth stayed close to the women of Boaz to glean until the barley and wheat harvest were finished, and she lived with her mother-in-law. God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray together. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that it means to us. And uh, Lord, we ask that you would give us open hearts to speak to us this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So our focus today is love is kind, particularly linking to the key verse 20 in the passage we just read. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living or the dead. Now the ESV translation phrases it slightly differently. It says may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Drawing in the connection between God's kindness and the response of Boaz in kindness as well. But you might say well if last week we were exploring how love can be costly, having a major impact, surely kindness is a step backward from that, having less impact. Let's look together at some of the areas that relate to this in the Bible. Firstly, there are two key passages in the New Testament that relate to kindness. One is the well-known passage in 1 Corinthians 13, often used at weddings. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud. It's not rude, it's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So this key passage speaking about our motivation for everything that we do out of love for God and love for others advocates kindness right near the top of that list. Another key passage is from Galatians chapter 5 speaking about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such, there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. For those in tune with the Holy Spirit who lives within us, kindness is one of the things that will be evident in their lives. So kindness is not necessarily a step back from that love that is costly, but an important part of a Holy Spirit-guided life. Let's look at some of the background to this part of the story in Ruth. We find her picking up the leftover grain in the field, something known as gleaning. That's something we wouldn't expect to find in the cornfields of Norfolk, but it's a principle that goes back to the laws of God that we can read in Leviticus chapter 19. In this slightly different version of the laws, to be found in Exodus chapter 20, Right in the middle of the commands about respecting mothers and fathers, observing the Sabbath, not making idols, not stealing, we find this in verses 9 and 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and alien. I am the Lord your God. So as part of the culture around Bethlehem, we find Boaz allowing others to glean the grain in his fields, to be able to pick up the loose corn, and even in the chapter we've just read, of asking his workers to deliberately pull out some stalks and leave them for Naomi, for Ruth to collect. I wonder, do we leave the way open for acts of kindness in our own lives? Or is everything accounted for? Time, money, relationships. How difficult is it to find some slack in those to show kindness to others? We may not own cornfields or vineyards, so we won't be able to leave out corn or grapes for the needy. But like Boaz did in this situation, I wonder if we leave the capacity to actually plan for kindness to others. We've seen today about some of the needs facing a hospital in Chad. And don't you find some of those figures amazing? Thirteen pounds can save a life. Eighty pounds provides a nurse for a whole week. 695 pounds covers 52 patients, four life-saving surgeries, and five safely delivered babies. 13 pounds can save a life. Maybe a couple of weeks of a movie, couple of months of a movie subscription. Operation Agri is another of the organisations we're supporting. This harvest, at this time, their appeal is to strengthen the environment, livelihood and communities of people in Tanzania. What about Norwich Food Bank, seeking to support people on our own doorstep, where a small amount of groceries is a kindness that goes a long way to help people in need. Do we have the time to spend finding out about the needs of these organisations or others so that we can support or pray? Or is all our time accounted for can we support needs like this financially or is everything accounted for to maintain our own needs and desires if we're set on gathering all of our corn harvesting all of our grapes we won't have that capacity to show kindness to others is there a case for deliberately planning for acts of kindness in this way Of course, there are those who simply cannot give financially. But what about that gift of time? For many, kindness will mean time to talk through a problem, just to have a listening ear from somebody, or maybe to run an errand or offer friendship. If all our time is accounted for, when the opportunity presents itself, it's impossible to take it up. Is there a case for deliberately planning acts of kindness in this way? So Boaz shows these acts of kindness towards Ruth and we said earlier that one of the key verses in the passage was verse 20. The Lord bless him, Naomi said to her daughter-in-law. He has not stopped showing his kindness to the living or the dead. Now, the Old Testament was written originally in Hebrew. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and over the course of the years, it's been translated into Greek and to other language and uh, for our benefit into English. And anyone who's been involved in translating gets to realise that you cannot always get the meaning of one language across into meaning of words in another language, certainly not with one comparable word. And the key word kindness in this particular verse is one of those words. And the original Hebrew word was kindness. Hesed. Paolo spoke a little bit about Hesed last week. I would like to take a few moments exploring some of the meanings attributed to this amazing word Hesed. It might help us to grasp something behind the use of the word. Now Hesed occurs around about 250 times in the Old Testament. About half of them are in the Psalms. In the book of Genesis. It's used in connection with an exceptional undeserved favour that God gave to Lot. But I want us to look at the book of Exodus, where it's used in connection with defining the very nature of God. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses meets with God. And in verses 12 and 13 of that chapter, Moses says, You've been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways. This encounter between Moses and God goes on with God saying back to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked, because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. Then Moses says, Now show me your glory. And the Lord said, When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Here we have the creator God, the one who spoke the universe into being, who parted the Red Sea, who was accompanied by terrifying Thunder and lightning speaking of tenderly placing Moses in the cleft of a rock and gently covering him with the same hand that shaped the galaxies. And in the very next chapter, we read of that encounter on Mount Sinai, including the word hesed. The Lord came in a cloud and stood with Moses. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord The Lord, once again, translation's really difficult to put that. Maybe I am who I am, I am who I am, or Yahweh. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and showing hesed, that word hesed. on this occasion, the word hesed is translated in our NIV as abounding in love and faithfulness. And the word hesed is used a second time. This time translated as maintaining love to thousands. Forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And that text goes on to say that God is a God of justice as well. Not just a benevolent God who doesn't care about sin. But linking truth, grace, justice as part of his nature. The order is important though the first ones assuming more important. This is the nature of God. Firstly, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, and showing love and faithfulness, showing hesed. And Moses is drawn into this intimate encounter and relationship with the awesome God. And because of this intimacy, Moses can ask God to go with him and his people. They had no right to expect that God should remain with them. They'd rebelled, they'd turned away, they'd worshipped idols, were constantly complaining. But God had revealed his hesed, the nature of his loving and forgiving character, and gives Moses the promise that he will do wonders never seen before, and that people will see how awesome he is. As Moses descended from that mountain, his face is shining. It's radiant because he encountered God. So we find that this word hesed, used in Ruth chapter 2 and translated as kindness, is used to describe the very character of God. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. And wherever it's used, it's not just a word to describe character, but it's a word of action as well. Not just a passive expression, but something that will be backed up by real actions. Now the word hesed doesn't appear as such in the New Testament as it was written in Greek, not Hebrew. But we see enough of God's character in the life and self-giving love of Jesus to know that there are many parallels. And that intimacy between God and Moses, where God revealed himself, is what he longs for with each one of us today. You, me, those who are part of the church, those who are not yet part of the church. We're invited into the intimacy of a relationship with him through what Jesus did on the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We too can get to know the God of compassion, grace, forgiveness, love and faithfulness because Jesus created the way for that to happen. Boaz was a man of God himself and he asked for God's blessing to fall on Ruth. We can experience the love of God ourselves. We can know his hesed. In our lives. And in turn, his blessing to us can be turned into a blessing to others by our kindness. So just as we finish today, maybe a few practical pointers and a challenge as to how we can be involved in showing kindness. Sometimes, you know, it's the little things that count. What about that interaction with strangers, a smile, a greeting, opening a door, offering some help? What about making time to talk to somebody, somebody in need? What about making room for kindness, making room for kindness in our personality or daily schedules? You know, it might actually mean changing a routine, developing a different attitude towards giving? What about being ready for opportunities to show kindness and not to let them pass us by? And here's our challenge for the week. Intentionally seek an opportunity to show an act of kindness to somebody during this week. Intentionally seek an opportunity to show an act of kindness to somebody during the week. And what about as we move forward as well? Can we consider, is there anything that we need to change in our schedule, in our lifestyle, in order to be a bringer of kindness? So we've learned today about God's hesed, about his loving kindness, as one translation has put it, about his faithfulness to us and that hesed is that word used for kindness in the book of ruth can we show kindness as the week as the months as the years go ahead let's pray together father god we thank you that you call us into this intimate relationship with you through jesus And Lord, we know that when we are impacted by you, when your Holy Spirit is working in us, we will see those fruits of love, joy and peace and kindness to others. So Father, help us as we move forward now to look to you, Look to your example, look to what Jesus has done for us and aim to be a blessing to others through kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.